Hi, and welcome back to the HSP Connection. I'm Robbie Lee, and today I'm here with a special guest. We met in a coaching circle, and I found myself always looking forward to, ha- to hearing what she had to say. She's super smart on all kinds of levels, and I'm so happy I get to talk with her today and bring this conversation to you. I'm so excited to welcome a fellow HSP coach, Senia Elise. Senia, so glad to have you here today. Thank you so much, Robbie, for such a warm welcome. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I would love for you to tell people a little bit about who you are and, and what you do in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Right now, I am a, a coach. I'm a life coach for highly sensitive people and introverts. And I specialize on STEM professions. So Thanks. all the logic-heavy analytical types that actually crave more creativity, more ease, and more joy in their lives and careers. So that's that's what I do at the moment. I also have kind of a balanced blend in my business of consulting, engineering consulting, and coaching. And my background is in chemistry and engineering. I have 18 years of 18 year career in engineering. And that's what brings me to my audience the best. So I know firsthand what it feels like to be an introvert and an HSP in STEM professions that are very logical, very structured, not very sometimes emotionally aware. And I really want to help other people feel more at ease and more like themselves at work and in their personal lives. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. And see people, I told you, smart on all kinds of levels. Chemistry, <laughs> engineering, no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. So I, I would, we're talking today about mindfulness. And I'd love to know, because you and I have, have, have talked about it some. And, and I actually, you know, you led um, a mindfulness group that I got to be a part of, which was, amazing um and why i wanted to bring this you know you and this to our listeners i'd love to hear a little bit about what got you into mindfulness or how has mindfulness you know been a part of your journey yeah thank you mindfulness has been part of my journey for at least 10 plus years and what brought me to it is actually high stress levels Uh, yeah i felt so overwhelmed just frazzled all the time then my anxiety my mind was always racing and i couldn't figure out what is really happening because from the outside by that point in my life i had a great career stable job financially secure i had family we could travel, take vacations. And yet on the inside, I felt just unsettled. I felt anxious. I would always worry about things. My mind wouldn't stop going and worrying about all kinds of different things, what I said in the past, what's going to happen in the future. So really, I never felt present. Mm. And it was so unsettling because it felt like, well, what is what is wrong? What is happening? What am I doing wrong? Because everything that I thought I wanted, I already had by, by that point. And that's, again, led me to a path of, okay, looking for what's causing me stress, how to manage my stress. 
And at the time I, I lived in Texas and my local yoga studio started a yoga teacher training. And mindfulness was a big part of that, which I loved that training so much. Just learning how to reconnect with your body, with actually your emotions, with not identify with your thoughts. And it was very ironic because as I thought I was very aware of what's happening with me, and I thought I was a very rational and logical person who knows what to do, can modify my behavior the way it needs to be. So do the right thing, basically. I thought that I always know what's the next right thing to do. And yet, it was so hard to connect with my body. I realized how much I was living in my head only and how much anxiety really was driving my whole existence. I was just, you know, my body was dragging my head from meeting to meeting and I wasn't really paying attention to what's going on. That was the first big encounter for me with mindfulness and meditation, practice of meditation. And it took me at least few months, six to six months to a year to actually establish a regular practice. And what's interesting, the big catalyst to that was when my son was born, mm. I was even so much more stressed, especially after I went back to work. That forced me to have some grounding moment in my day or night at night because my son wasn't sleeping. I was sleep deprived. The pressures of work, just as a working mom, as if this is a first child, it was so overwhelming. I felt like I'm in the fog and or I'm floating in space. And mindfulness was that anchor for me to at least settle down a little bit. It wasn't that I was relaxing every time I was meditating. That was a moment when I could at least exhale, mm -hmm. just say, okay. What is happening inside? What is my body needing? What do I need to change or what step do I need to take? So just sitting with myself, which I did not allow myself to do before that point. And that's uh, since then, uh, I've been meditating every single day. That's, that's my anchoring practice. So that's the first thing I do in the morning, every morning, unless I'm late for a flight. I'm going to do it. <laughs> that That's really been a great support for me through all the changes through, throughout the, my whole journey. Wow. It's incredible. And it's uh, so relatable. I think so many of us as highly sensitive people, we reach some kind of breaking point, which, which leads us to reach toward some kind of healing modality, right? Something that helps us. And what I'm hearing for you is one of the main helpers for you has been mindfulness and meditation. And uh, yeah, I'm wondering if you could, I'm realizing like, as we're talking, we haven't really defined that for the folks listening. Like, how would you, when you describe mindfulness, kind of what language do you put around that? So my favorite definition for mindfulness is paying attention to what's happening in the present moment with kindness and curiosity. Ooh, I love that. With kindness and curiosity. Yeah. 
And it's, it took me some time to even get to that through some study and learning from different teachers. Because when the, in the beginning, to me, it was just about attention training. Mm-hmm. It's when your mind wanders, you bring it back. Your mind wanders, you bring it back. But it's actually not only attention training, it's also attitude training. It's we're training ourselves to be with the mind, with the body, with emotions, with kindness and curiosity, not with resentment and aversion, which we often experience when we do that. And as uh, Shauna Shapiro says, a psychologist who studied mindfulness for many years, what you practice grows stronger. Mm. So our attitude really colors the quality, the fabric of our practice. So that's how I would define mindfulness as paying attention to what's happening in the present moment with kindness and curiosity. Wow. And what, why is it so important that we're able to be in the present? with kindness and curiosity. (laughs) Why is that so important? We need to remember that even though we are relying a lot on our left brain, logical, rational mind, a lot of the times we actually spend, if we pay attention, we spend a lot of time in the past or in the future. So it's analyzing what happened or trying to forecast what's going to happen to reduce that uncertainty. But what's where we can actually take action is in the present moment. Mm. This is the only moment where our life unfolds. And if we spend it somewhere else in our thoughts, not paying attention to what's happening, we're actually missing out on life to begin with. And we also miss the whole opportunity to make changes, be engaged, and be calmer as well. Because it's only when we are in the present moment with what's here, we actually detach from the thoughts of worries. That's, oh my God, what what have I done? Or, oh my God, how I'm going to deal with the future? Because none of this really exists in the tangible world. But our minds are so powerful. They're so, the thoughts are so powerful. I think uh, the uh, founder of Headspace, uh, the meditation app says, that it's amazing how something, our thoughts, something so intangible can be so destructive. Mm. And I'm paraphrasing, but that's, that's what causes us a lot of trouble is actually our own thoughts and us believing those thoughts. And what takes us out of that is what's here in the present moment. It's me talking with you in this room, in this space. And you can notice how your nervous system just slowly settles down. Your body responds to that instead of this, oh, oh my God, what do I need to do? I need to get, do more done and get going and do more with less. And instead of that, it's like, okay, I'm okay. I'm actually okay in this present moment. Oh, it's so beautifully said. And I, I remember for myself, there was a moment when I was really stressing about finances for the upcoming month. You know, it's like, how am I, how are we going to, what is, and 
And then for me, my pattern is when I get stressed about something, then I also take that opportunity to look past to the past and all the ways I have messed things up, right? That maybe led to this or, you know, but just like, let's pile on. Here are ways that you're failing or have failed, you know, that thanks brain. Um, (laughs) And I remember being in that moment and just like, and I'm projecting all of these catastrophic possibilities, right? Of if I can't earn this income this month, here are all the things that could happen. And I was so like my whole, I mean, it was just tense. It was in my body. I was just like, oh my gosh, this feels terrible. And I just had this like, but what is like right now? What is here right now? And I remember just going, right. And I just, I sat down, I started breathing and I started going right now, I am safe. Right now, my family's taken care of. Right now, we have a beautiful roof over our heads. We have food in the fridge. We are clothed. We love each other. We have each other. Like, and I just started, I'm like, right now, I'm safe. Right now, I'm fine. Right now. And that helped me. I mean, I felt the calm in my nervous system. And then being able to access that calm then also helps me access creativity and Mm. problem solving, you know, that it's like my brain thinks it's trying to be a problem solver by going, well, catastrophes ahead. But all that does is shut down my highly sensitive system. And it's just like, I freeze, you know, I can't just like, oh, my God. So being able to access that calm, then it's like it got the flow going again. It was like, oh, well, there's these, here's a possibility. What about this? And it opened up that creativity. And so mindfulness for me has been life-changing. I mean, I go to it. It is a go-to tool for me. Yeah, that's so amazing, Robbie. You're so right. And that's what so many people are experiencing. And still, it's hard to snap out of that habitual pattern of overanalyzing, figuring out. Is that for me? It's that thought of, oh my God, I just need to figure it out. And once I figure it out, I can relax. But it's so counterintuitive because we can only figure it out, quotation marks, when we are relaxed. Yeah, that's right. Because our again left brain rational brain that the amygdala part that's so scared and fantasizes about the worst case scenario it actually narrows our vision we get this tunnel vision of oh my god this is the only thing that's the only possibility so it feels helpless it's like well i can't see the way out but as martha beck says it's the opposite of helplessness is not power the opposite of helplessness is creativity. Yeah. Because that's how we connect to the resources that we may already have that we are not even seeing. Mm-hmm. And that's how we connect to our inner resources and the ideas and possibilities that are there or can be there if we take certain steps. Yeah. But again, when we're in this tunnel vision, I just have to figure it out right now and all of it at the same time. We just don't have access to it. It's like a little prison we put ourselves in and feel like we need to stay there 
but there is no way out. Yes. That's so the practice you've done, that's exactly illustrates how powerful actually calming down is for your creativity. Yeah. It's so true. Like when you were talking about, it's like, it's like we put ourselves in this prison. It does feel like that. It, like, and it's like you're trapped in there with the stress and yeah. the, the thing the so the brain which is trying to fix it is not the way out like when it's in that it, it can't it can't find the way out like we Absolutely. have to we have to come to that calming place yeah yeah and that's really what through my work and through my own work on myself that's what i'm helping my clients to do to mm-hmm. shift from that habitual default logical brain i need to figure it out yes. i need to figure it out there is one right solution, which is also an illusion yes. most of the time. And shift into a more creative, calmer brain that can see things holistically, can see the possibilities. As um, neuroanatomist Jill Bolte-Taylor says that we have, we almost operate in two different sides of the brain. So the left brain, which is logical, which is sequential. It only can take one thing at a time, very detail-oriented, Loves to be in the past to analyze, love to loves to forecast the future because yes. it, it wants to reduce uncertainty. Right. Whereas our right brain is actually it's like it can see the collage, it's like parallel processor. Yes. It can see many possibilities existing, coexisting all at once. And it's connected to everything and everyone on earth, really, and beyond that sense of oneness, that sense of connectedness to resources and to each other Mm. it brings so much more peace to our nervous system and again resourcefulness to our thinking as well yeah yeah oh that's so true oh so true and do you have tips for people like when they are maybe they find that they're in kind of that prison, you know, that's what I'm going to call it, of they're overanalyzing. So going to the past, overanalyze, they're trying to find a way forward, but they're kind of in that hamster wheel cycle. Do you have tips on how people can kind of use mindfulness to to get them out of that space? Yes, there are several techniques one that I often refer to is actually taking whatever your brain is kind of cycling over, trying to figure out and put it on paper. Nice. There is a lot of research that actually speaks to the therapeutic action of that writing things down because you're involving your body. You are taking action to your brain, to the anxious brain. You are actually taking action. Nice. And also distancing yourself from this this repetitive thought patterns yeah and as you do that a few times as you are in it so you write it down you will notice that the pattern is usually the same there is usually the same story with different variations of yes something's going to happen it's going to be i'm going to end up under the bridge as a homeless person i will lose everything there is very scary outcomes that are happening 
and it's triggered. Nothing big has to trigger it, really. So you will notice that it's just a re- repetitive, habitual mm-hmm. way that our brain deals with uncertainty. It's like, oh my God, you better take action on everything. You know, your income this month is less. If you continue like this, you're going to end up, you know, with no house and no nothing. That's right. That's right. So it's that, like you're in my brain. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. And that is, again, writing things down helps to find that distance, to become that kind and curious observer rather than being engulfed in the storm inside, which yeah. our thoughts really it's almost like drag us to that it's like no this is all very true and it's always very dramatic and or maybe it's not dramatic as your voice it can be very like sneaky and criticizing it's like well yes it's like a snaky voice that sometimes like come comes up it's like well you know it's not gonna work out there can be nothing you can do so really getting to know those parts of you that are very protective. And yeah. ironically, that part of you wants the best for you. Yeah. It's just the method that it's using are outdated. They're very primal, very basic. They're very survival oriented. Mm-hmm. And maybe they worked in for our ancestors to avoid uh, saber-toothed tigers uh, in, around the bush. Right now, it's basically our nervous system going into overdrive with any even hint of danger. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to temper or neutralize by recognizing it, by distancing from it. And that way we can see things clearly instead of being in that tunnel vision. I, I love that technique so much um, for all the reasons you stated. Uh, you know, it helped me to start seeing patterns like you're talking about and kind of the quality of those voices that mm-hmm. were talking to me. And for me at that point, then I made, it's like I made friends with the voices because prior to that, I was like fighting them. And it was just mm-hmm. like, stop, you know, pushing them away, pushing them away, which just made them get louder because they're like, no, I have some... Like death is about to happen. I have something very important to tell you, right? That's the urgency of these voices. And so I found that being able then to pay them attention, which was exactly the opposite of what I wanted to do, wanted them to just shut up. But once I gave them a forum, like, okay, let me hear what you're trying to say. And it's almost like I I honored them in that way. It's like, okay, thank you. And now part of my routine is I will thank them. I'll say, thank you. I know you're trying to keep me safe. Job done. You did it. I heard you. I will take that under consideration and you don't get to make the the decision. Like, you know, that's kind of part of my whole routine now. It's like that voice does get to have its say and I honor it, which has it helped to create kind of that spaciousness for me again. And instead of the voices needing to get louder and louder and more urgent and like, pay attention, <laughs> um, the, I felt like they backed off. It was like, oh, she, she got it. She heard us. Okay. She's working on a plant. All right. Got it. Good. You know? Yes. Yes. It's almost like that. Those voices, like a guard dog that yeah. just whoever comes in, Oh my God, it's just barking out of its mind. Yeah. 
before until it recognizes maybe it's it's an okay person or recognizing that the owner is actually they got it they've got it yeah yes it's it's a protective mechanism that Mm -hmm. really is there to help us yeah and once that part in a way as a as an entity internal entity realizes that we have the means to protect us yeah and it's always like it it comes down for sure. And it's almost like it's there to actually activate that wise part of us. Yeah. That wise, maybe you can call it the loving parent or your wise self, your higher self. There are so many words for that. Calm, spacious feeling inside of you. When you are in that space, I would call it a wise self. It's that you know. You know that you have resources, you are in the present moment, you're safe, you're curious, you're compassionate. Yeah. And when we come back to that space, you can see that there are a lot of different voices that are in our heads. There are different emotions, but they don't have to knock you off your feet every time. Yeah. You give them forum, they do their job, and then you make the decision that's best for all of you, for yeah. all parts of you. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that so much. And as you were talking, I, I was thinking, oh, and this is this is also one of the places where the kindness comes in, right? Of just like, because part of my way before is I'm trying to push away the voices and I'm angry with them. And then I'm angry for myself at the things that they're reminding me of as far as my inadequacies or whatever, you know, however that was showing up for me, it was just round and round of this feels crappy. But now like part of, part of it for me really is a true appreciation it's like thanking your dog when you were talking about the guard dog. It's like, yep. thank you for keeping, you know, you're doing your thing to keep us safe. This didn't happen to be life or death, but it could have been. And thanks for sending off the warning, you know. Um, so just having kindness and compassion for all the voices, like you were talking about, all the ones that are that show up to say, hey, I have a need and I have something to tell you. Um. Yeah, it's been really helpful for me, for sure. Oh, absolutely. I love I love that practice, Robbie. And so so great that you are employing it so so well now. Absolutely. And again, appreciating what's happening, getting into that wise part of you, the calmer part of you, yeah. and speak from that place. And also coming back to the present moment. That's what mindfulness is all about. Yes. Again, calibrating that reaction. It's like, okay. I'm safe on the, any basic level. I'm okay. I have roof over my head. I am in a room that is safe. Yep. I am not hungry right now. It, whatever makes you feel grounded in the moment. Yeah. So very physical. The body helps a lot. Mm. Bringing attention to the body, with yeah. body sensations. Where are your feet right now? Mm-hmm. Like where are your hands? It's actually amazing how, as I work with a lot of my clients who are just learning to be aware of the body sensations, sometimes they would say, well, I'm asking, so how does it feel in your body? Or where do you feel it in your body? And they would say, I, I don't know. I don't feel anything. I just don't feel anything. 
because we're so habituated to ignore any yes. signals and kind of have this, well, the body, you need to train the body, you need to manage this, the symptoms, the sensations, the emotions, that we totally dismiss the information. Mm. We dismiss the response and the body and the, the sensations, the emotions, it is data. It gives you data to make such such much better decisions than you can make with just your logical mind. Yes. Ooh, yes. I'd love you to talk more about that. Like the well, two things came to my mind. One is when you're talking about like being aware of your body, you know, in the present moment. One of the things I started doing, especially like if I was with other people, is I would just start rubbing my fingers together because it just that like that was my signal to myself I'm like I'm here right now in this moment here in my body right now here that's all I need to be is right here and I can do that under the tape you know nobody can see what I'm doing but I'm having a little mindfulness moment (laughs) just reminding myself and it's a signal I've done it so many times now it just signals my body that's like okay she's paying attention we can calm down you know Yes, it's such a powerful tool. Yes, Robbie, that that is a tiny, tiny uh, exercise in a way, mindfulness exercise that you can do anywhere in your pocket under the table. But that that's a clue to again to trigger the neural pathways that actually calm the body instead of hijack it. Because when we are in this, especially as HSPs, when we are overwhelmed by too many inputs yes it's just very hard to even connect to the body because so many things draw your attention yes but with mindfulness when you have that one tool maybe you're rubbing your fingers together or you maybe bring your attention to the soles of your feet on the floor there's something very stable about that or maybe when you walk so that snaps you out of that oh my god i need to deal with all of this and it reminds you i'm okay i'm in my body i'm safe Mm. so we shift from that panicky almost overwhelmed mode into again an observer that Mm. we are not part of this storm we can actually step out of it and watch it and participate when we want as a choice instead of like, oh my God, I feel nervous. Should I not talk to this person? Should I do something else? Should I respond? Should I not say anything? There is a lot of, the mind always fills in the blanks. Yeah. Especially when you feel nervous about something. It's like, oh, this is probably because you should not be here. Or this is probably this person has some ulterior motives. Yeah. There's a lot of stories that go on just to explain the anxiousness and remember again for introverts and highly sensitive people we are physiologically our amygdala that survival part of the brain is more active than that of extroverts or non-hsps so we will be more perceptive to outside stimuli no matter what yeah. And that doesn't mean that things are dangerous. It it means that we still need to step away and evaluate. It's like, okay, I'm okay. This is just new. But it does take a lot of practice before we get there. We, it's hard to 
do it in the moment if you don't practice outside of it. Yes. And so that's the importance of like when you were talking about your daily practice, you're doing it daily so that when you're in those moments, you can reach for the thing that you've already practiced so many times. Exactly. And as I think in one of the programs I took, Search Inside Yourself, which is Google-based, Google originated mindfulness program, they talk about two types of practice, integrated practice and dedicated practice and integrated practice. So dedicated practice is something usually a little bit longer. You set aside the time for it. It would be something like my morning meditation. So I'm practicing out without demands, basically, from, from the world. So that's my dedicated practice. But there is also integrated practice. That's what, what we do in the moment. Mm. That's when we rub our two fingers together under the table, when we notice, oh, we're, I'm, I'm feeling anxious, or taking deep breaths, or closing your eyes, or focusing your vision on something with exquisite attention. Mm. It's very hard to remember that, to do even that, if we don't have the dedicated practice. Yeah. So it's always both and they really feed each other. Mm, That makes a lot of sense. And when you're, I want to go back to when you were talking about kind of like the body is telling us information, right? So how do we, how do we access that when we're, when we're in the mind storm of "Ah," how do we access the information our body is trying to tell us? What are some ways? The body does give us a lot of information, actually, all day long. <laughs> and again, we've kind of trained ourselves in our culture, in society in general. There is not a lot of kind of space, even time and space to explore that. Yeah. So what, it's interesting that the first thing, myself included, and for a lot of people I work with, the first thing that they face when they start mindfulness practice or meditation, they actually face their own anxiety. It's that actually realizing the sensations in the body that they were maybe dismissing or kind of blocking out in a way. So the first step is always actually tuning in and at first tolerating mm-hmm. what's happening. It's not even to the point of acceptance yet, but actually being brave enough. It takes courage to really look into what is actually happening instead of staying busy. So with any mindfulness practice or any yoga practice that also draws us to pay attention to what's what's happening in the moment, sometimes it can be scary. It's like, oh my God, I feel like I started meditating and I feel more anxious. And it's not that it causes the anxiety. It's just now we're more aware of it. Yeah. And that's where that kind and curious attention comes. When we really sit and notice how the body feels without the version of like, oh my God, I don't want to be here. Because it is here. It is always here. It's whether we want it or not. So we want to make friends with our bodies, with sensations in the body. 
and with our mind as well, because our thoughts will be constantly bombarding us with explanations. And that's sometimes a challenge with starting a meditation practice that is like, oh my God, I feel so restless. I can't sit still. Yeah. And yet again, that's where support from like-minded community, from a coach, from a meditation teacher, yoga teacher is so helpful because they've gone through that path already and almost everyone. And if we are highly sensitive, that's even more amplified. I remember my own practice. My God, I feel stressed. I meditate for three minutes and my it just, I feel more stressed up to this. What is happening? Yeah. But it's almost like we've been sitting blindsided on the side of a busy road and all of a sudden the blindfold is gone and the like, huh? it's all these cars. They've been here all the time. I was just hearing some humming, but now I can see all of that. Mm. But that's a step to actually acceptance of okay what's what what is happening okay these are the cars i don't have to run up to them i don't have to stop the traffic i can be here and they can be there Mm -hmm. and that's what finally brings us moments of peace but again mindfulness is not about staying in that super calm place it's about forgetting and remembering it's stepping out into the business of the mind or sensations of the body and then coming back to your breath or to your sensations. Yes, it's it's so interesting. And again, once once we're able to be with what's present, that's when we can start receiving the information. That's when what I call a tool, body compass, starts working. We're kind of calibrating it. And that's when, when we're making decisions, you can check in with the body and see, do you feel more of sense of expansiveness or do you shrink inside when you make that decision? Yeah. But that takes practice to even notice what is your body's response like, what is a yes in your body and what is a no in your body? Because by default, we don't know. We don't remember that. We forgot it a long time ago. Yeah. So, yeah. So learning what is a yes and what is a no. That's that's how we start interpreting, distinguishing, and discerning that information that comes up. Mm, that's so good. And, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about like when you were talking about the cars, you know, it's like, oh, oh, I'm noticing the cars. You know, at first it's like everything feels bigger, which for as an HSP, it was like, oh my gosh, I was expending so much energy trying to mute things, right? So I could survive. And now suddenly, wait, I'm letting more of that in. What? <laughs> it seems counterintuitive. But as you, just like you were explaining, it's like, it's, it's allowing yourself to actually be present with what is, but just be with it. Like that, you don't have to do anything with it. There's nothing for you to solve, or ha- it's just noticing, right? It's just allowing. And there was something about that that was was like, oh, oh, okay. I 
and it and then it was like, okay, then I can take it in and then learn, like you were talking about, to to then have the breath in there too. It's like you notice and then you can be with the calm again. And then it it's all it's it's like it feels like cycles and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so true, Robbie. It's yes, it is first awareness, just that it's there, then allowing that to happen yeah because even when we're aware there is an urge of i don't want this to be here right yes i want this to go away yes but really it's all inside of us already it's not going anywhere you cannot take it out right and with this allowing that's when the calm and peace comes in or at least glimpse at least glimpse of it yeah because it doesn't happen overnight at all it's that cycle yes like okay i know a little bit better now what feeling calmer feels like yeah and then next time maybe you that baseline maybe is a little bit different so you get go deeper into feeling of peace and that's what sometimes I think trips people up, especially if you're more performance-oriented, results-oriented person, mm-hmm. or logically, because the results are so subtle, and that's how the body moves. It's very subtle changes. But when we're used to something, we're expecting something big, it's like, well, nothing is happening. Well, a lot is happening, but it's also tuning into and accepting and acknowledging the small progress that's happening because that's how body operates. It's that difference between the natural time and the technological time when we're like, oh, yeah, everything has to take seconds. Body doesn't work that way. It takes time for the day change with the night and for the sprout to grow a little bit bigger and it's the same with our bodies there is subtle changes invisible changes that compound over time and that's what people forget it's like well i i tried that i tried meditating for three days and it not, it didn't work so that's definitely ah, a challenge sometimes to overcome yeah. that's a really good point yeah and i remember like for years i tried to meditate but I thought it meant that every time I had a thought, I was failing at it. So then mm. it was just like, well, I'm fa- fail at meditating, so I'm not doing that. And, you know, it took me a long time and trying lots of different ways to meditate. And now that's what's true for me is I have lots of different ways that I meditate. Mm-hmm. And I will just, and some of them are three minutes long and some of them are an hour. And it's just like, what do I need in this moment? And that treating everything, that kindness piece is like vital for me in this space because it's like, well, if this one way is not helping me get where I need to go today, the old me would have, well, I've failed. I've done something wrong. What's wrong with me? See, here's another thing, you know, that trail of thought. And now it's just like, oh, okay, gotcha. We're not doing that. What would feel good right now? What do we want to do right now? And just, you know, reach for that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's amazing, Robbie. And that's what it takes really to listen. Yeah. We, it's almost like we're offering, okay, would that be, would that help me today? Exactly. Is that what I need? And then yes. listening is like, yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Let's see what's something different. But it takes 
it takes practice to listen to that because if we if we approach it in the way we approach how our dishwasher works it's like you push the button it started working if it's not working okay it's broken yeah the body is not the machine and mm-hmm. it's it takes time to really understand the cues and it will be very subtle it will be like this or like this little cringe maybe maybe you your tailbone feels tighter or your stomach or your shoulders rise and it will be almost invisible at first but as you spend more time with yourself that's what it's about really spending more time with yourself in a kind and curious way that what opens that possibility of getting to know yourself and loving what you see as yes. well yes that's so key it's so <sighs> key yeah and i love you know the way you're reminding us these are just these are small changes they're subtle changes and it's it's not about flipping a switch it's about these small steps done over time that shift things right yeah so you know those of you listening if you if you've tried something and it didn't you know immediately work it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong <laughs> right yeah absolutely absolutely yes and it's that's why it's so so helpful to have a community or a friend or a teacher or a coach who can really share their experiences. Yes. Because we are so in our heads. It's like, well, if this, then that. It's a very black and white thinking often because it's easier, actually. For the brain, it's so much easier to put it in categories. No, that didn't work. Yes, it's working. If it's immediate result, then it's working. But life is its just so many colors. It's not black and white at all. There is so many shades of all the colors in the world. And that's all in between those black and white. And we want to tune into that. We need to sit long enough or often enough to actually be comfortable seeing that. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. And if people wanted to, f- to work with you around any of these things, where could they find you? Uh, yes. So they can reach me through my website, inneradventure.com. It's a one word, inneradventure. And uh, they can send me an email through the form there. They can send me an email through Xenia, K-S-E-N-I-A at inneradventure.com. Or they can book a session through my website as well. And there is no pressure to sign up for anything. I love connecting with people. And even if you just want to chat and learn a little bit more about coaching, about the way I coach, about creativity, about mindfulness, I'm so happy to connect with you. So yeah. It's incredible. Thank you. And we'll have all of that in the show notes too for people to be able to see and click on. I have loved this conversation today. Thank you so much. Is there anything around mindfulness you really want to be able to say that that I didn't ask you that you would like to say now? I think we've covered so much. I would one thing I would say that again, don't give up on mindfulness too soon. I know there is a lot of information out there about benefits and how 
we're looking for quick results. But again, think of a flower growing or a sprout growing out of a seed. You don't necessarily see this in this huge growth immediately. And that's what mindfulness is. It's like this tiny moments of awareness, of kindness and curiosity, of looking into your life with that attitude of, oh, I'm so happy I'm here. Is those moments compound into a more peaceful being, into a more peaceful and joyful life. So that's all I wanted to add. It's beautiful. Sonia, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Uh, I, I know this is beneficial for the people listening. It it was beneficial for me and I really enjoyed it. And yeah. uh, I look forward to the next time we get to chat. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Rob. It's been such a pleasure. And thank you everyone for listening. And so for now, it's bye from us. Thanks for listening to HSP Connection. If you've enjoyed it, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, we'd really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast and share it with anyone you think might be interested. It helps others find us. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can also leave us a review. To get in touch with us, you can email us at hspconnectionpodcast at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you with your thoughts and comments on the episodes and any suggestions you have for future topics and guests. We are both HSP coaches and speakers. And to find out more about Robbie, go to Robbie Lee, that's L-E-I-G-H dot com. And to find out more about Philippa, go to safeandsupported.co.uk. See you next time.